Hello, welcome to online worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church for Sunday, May 9th, 2021. It is Mother's Day. We are celebrating Mother's Day in worship this week. So happy Mother's Day to any mothers that are watching and worshiping with us online today. We're going to uh, read the scripture from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may clearly be seen that their deeds have been done in God. Well, with this being Mother's Day, I'd like to start off by uh, sharing with you a few, uh, maybe a dozen amusing life lessons that I, like many of you, learned from my mother. My mother taught me to appreciate a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. I just finished cleaning in here. My mother taught me religion. You better pray that spot comes out of the carpet. My mother taught me about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you into the middle of next week. My mother taught me logic. Because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me to plan ahead. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. My mother taught me irony. Stop all that crying or I'll give you something to cry about. My mother taught me stamina. You're going to sit there until all that spinach is gone. My mother taught me the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. My mother taught me about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. 
My mother taught me medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to get stuck like that. My mother taught me genetics. You're just like your father. My mother taught me wisdom. When you get to be my age, then you'll understand. And just to make it a a baker's dozen, my favorite one is this. My mother taught me about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out to be just like you. Actually, my my mother did not say most of those things, and I'm not going to tell you which ones she actually did say. I'm blessed to have a really terrific mother. I know some of you do too, but yours isn't as great as mine. One of, the, one of the things about really great mothers, like ours, is that they do teach us important life lessons. Not about the importance of clean underwear or not crossing your eyes, but things that actually develop our character as we grow into adults. They, they teach us the fundamentals of life, things such as respect and responsibility. They teach us about caring for other people. They teach us unconditional love continuing to love and care for us even when we're staining the carpet or refusing to eat our vegetables or throwing the mother of all temper tantrums right in the middle of the Kmart. That's really what my mother taught me, that I am loved no matter what. That's kind of one of the fundamentals of life and of growing up in a healthy way, knowing that unconditional love. It's one of the fundamentals of our faith, too. You you can't really grow into a healthy relationship with God and have a strong and vibrant faith in God if you haven't been taught and come to understand for yourself that most basic of theological facts. God loves you no matter what. And how do we know that's the case? Well, as the old Sunday school song says it, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me so in verses such as John 3.16, where Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Before we did anything to deserve it, When we had earned for ourselves nothing but estrangement and death, God so loved us, you and me. He loved us so much that that he provided for us in Jesus a way back to life. That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is saved no matter what. There are some who believe in that they believe in universal salvation that because God loves everyone unconditionally that means that everyone goes to heaven whether you believe in God or not whether you've accepted Christ or not whether you live in loving relationship with Christ or in open rebellion against God that God loves them all the same regardless and so everyone gets into heaven that's not only a, a mischaracterization of God it's also a misunderstanding of unconditional love The fact is that love cannot be forced on anyone who doesn't want it. If you've ever tried to love someone who didn't love you back, you know what a painful truth that is. You cannot force love. 
The fact is that our God is a God of unconditional love. That means that God does love us all no matter what. There's nothing that you can ever do or have ever done that could ever make God stop loving you. God is love. That's one of the fundamental tenets of the Bible. God is love. Full stop. No conditions. That doesn't mean that we, as God's children, always avail ourselves of that love. Just as a rebellious child doesn't always avail herself of her mother's love. Sometimes a mother gets angry with her child, and for good reason. Sometimes a mother gets frustrated and fed up with that child. That doesn't mean that she stops loving the child, at least not if she's a good mother. A good mother loves her child unconditionally. She just does. She's never going to stop loving her child no matter what. But that doesn't stop the child from getting herself or himself into trouble. That love doesn't stop the child from needing to be punished. And as he grows and begins to take responsibility for himself, as he becomes an adult, that mother's love doesn't necessarily prevent him from wandering down a dark path. And getting lost. And facing the terrible, painful, devastating consequences of his actions. A good mother still always loves her child. She prays for her constantly. Just like that father in the story that Jesus told of the prodigal son. You remember how the son rejected his father's love, went out on his own way, got himself into a terrible situation. But the father still loved him, still prayed for him, still watched for him. And when his son finally came to his senses and began to return home, the father ran out to greet him, threw his arms around him, and welcomed him back. That is a picture of God's unconditional love. He continues to love us, even when we insist on going our own way. But he can't force us to come home. The father of the prodigal son didn't go out and and dig his son out of the pig pens of the foreign country and drag him home by his ear. The mother of an adult child who is headed toward death can't stop that from happening if that is where she is determined to go. No matter how fiercely the mother loves her. God cannot and does not force us into a relationship with himself. God cannot and does not push us into heaven if we are self-satisfied with a hell of our own creation. This is one of the main differences between Calvinists and Arminians. If you're not familiar with those fancy words, in oversimplified terms, Calvinists believe in predestination and Arminians believe in free will. One of the fundamental doctrines for Calvinists is the doctrine of irresistible grace. The idea that God's grace cannot be resisted by human beings. If God has chosen to save you from the beginning of time, then you will be saved whether you like it or not. There's nothing you can do to resist God's grace. It is irresistible, or so the Calvinists claim. The problem with that is that's not love. Love can always be resisted. 
Even God's love can be resisted. If I am compelled to love somebody and I am completely powerless not to, that's not a relationship. That's a robotic mechanism. A relationship is mutual. A relationship involves choice. A relationship is two ways. Arminians, which is what I am, what what John Wesley was, what the Methodists in, in general are, We believe that God gives us the power to accept his love and and God gives us the freedom to reject his love. It's still all about God's grace. It is God's grace in Jesus Christ that saves us. I, I can't save myself. I can't work my way into heaven. I can't just be good enough person. I can only rely on the gracious sacrifice of Jesus Christ to pay for my sins, to take the death that I have earned upon himself, and to give me the life that comes only from him. But God, by his grace, gives me the freedom to choose if that is the life that I want, or if I would rather go my own way. Live on my own terms. Die my own death. The caricature that Calvinists make of Arminians is that we make salvation all about us rather than about God. That that we believe that we have some power over our salvation. We have something to contribute to our salvation. And if we can contribute to it, then we can take credit for it. Credit that is supposed to be due only to God. If I can make a choice, then I can boast in that choice, and I can boast in myself rather than boasting in God. That's a complete misrepresentation of the transaction, if it can be called a transaction. If you come to me with, uh, for no other reason than, than simply the fact that, that you love me, and you hand me a $10 bill, well, I have a choice what I'm going to do. Am I going to accept it, or am I not going to accept it? Maybe I don't feel like I deserve it, and I'm not going to accept something that I haven't earned for myself, so I refuse to take it. Maybe I don't want to be indebted to you, and if I take that money, then I'll feel like I owe you something, so I reject the offer. Maybe I just don't like you, and I don't want to have anything to do with you, so I turn my back on you. Or I pretend to take it, and then I tear it up and throw it on the ground when you're not looking. There are all kinds of of ways and all kinds of reasons that I can resist taking that $10 from you. Or I might say thank you, take the $10 bill, and put it in my pocket. If that's the choice that I make, if I choose to receive that $10 that you offered me for no other reason than that you love me, On what grounds can I claim that I earned that $10? If I run around waving that bill in the air saying, hey, look what I just created for myself by my own human ingenuity, a $10 bill, that would be ridiculous. I would have absolutely no grounds to boast in myself. I didn't earn that money. I didn't do anything to deserve that money. I didn't make that money by my own human power. I have that money only because of your love. It's still all about you, your expression of love to me. 
an expression of love that I simply chose to accept. To, ex- to suggest that we have absolutely no free will when it comes to our own salvation, that, that we must have absolutely no choice in the matter, because if we did, then we could boast in ourselves, well, that's as ridiculous as claiming that I did something special in and of myself to gain that $10 bill. Here's the point. God doesn't arbitrarily love some people and not others. And God doesn't love some people because of their good deeds and reward them for that and then hate other people because of their sin and judge them and condemn them for that. God hates and and judges all of our sin, all of us. But God loves every one of us. We are the children of his creating. And he loves us unconditionally. And so, because of that great love that he has for us, for God so loved the world, he made a way for us to be freed from our sins. The sins that he hates, the the sin that he cannot abide, the sin that he will not allow to continue in us because it destroys us. And he loves us too much to allow that to happen. God gave his son to save us. And not just us. Not just some select few, but to save all who would accept his grace unto themselves. All who would receive that gift of salvation. So that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. That verse that I've quoted a couple times now, John 3.16, comes in the midst of a much larger discussion between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Nicodemus had come to Jesus at night to have a private discussion. Being a Pharisee and a leader of the Jews, Nicodemus didn't want anyone knowing that he was seeking out Jesus for a spiritual conversation. He couldn't be seen giving credence to Jesus as a legitimate teacher in the light of day. But still he was curious. Still he was searching. Near the beginning of their discussion, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born anew. Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Thinking in physical terms, he asked incredulously, Can one enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Something that no mother wants to think about, especially not on Mother's Day. Jesus obviously wasn't speaking physically. The word translated anew, or again, as in born again, can also mean from above. One must be born from above. Jesus probably meant the word to be taken both ways. Just being born physically into this world isn't enough. After all, we are born into a world of sin, and we are hopelessly enslaved to that sin. To free us from that, we have to have a a whole different kind of birth a rebirth, a spiritual birth, a birth from above, from the grace of God. That new birth, that being born from above, is what puts us in right relationship with God. And remember, a relationship is a two-way thing. God already loves you, no matter what, 
But to be in right relationship with him, you have to accept that love. You have to receive that love. You have to be transformed by that love. You have to love God in return and live according to that love. That regeneration is necessary in everyone. Even if you were born to a Christian mother and raised in a Christian home. Even if you've gone to church all your life and tried to live as a good Christian if you haven't been born again by grace, then you're still living either on the world's terms or on your own terms. And both of those ways are riddled with sin. Sin that you are powerless to free yourself from. Sin that by which you can only be released by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. God is offering you that gift of grace in Jesus Christ, that gift of rebirth by the Spirit. He's offering that to you just as he does to everyone. And for the exact same reason. Love. Because he loves you. He loves you and he wants you to be safe. Just as every loving parent wants their child to be safe. He wants you to be safe for eternity. And you can be safe for eternity only by accepting that gift of life in Jesus' name. Now, there may be any number of reasons and any number of ways that you have rejected that gift in the past. Perhaps you don't think you deserve it, that you're not good enough. None of us deserves God's love. That's why it's called grace. He loves us anyway. God loves you despite anything that you've ever done against that love. God loves you. Accept it. Perhaps you don't want to be indebted to God, and you think that if you receive that grace, then you'll be indebted to him. Well, to a certain extent, that's true. You're right. When we receive his grace and accept that salvation, then we are indebted to him. Then we do owe him our lives, and we begin to live on his terms. But his terms are so much better, so much more liberating, so much more life-giving. The payoff is eternal. And we get infinitely more than we could ever dream of paying back. Accept it. Perhaps you're not sure if you really like God. Maybe you've been hurt by hateful words of people that call themselves Christians. Maybe you've been excluded by the community that calls itself the church. If that's the case, all I can say to that is, I'm sorry, we are human, we do get it wrong sometimes. But God is still a God of love. And God's love transcends all of our failures. Accept it. Perhaps you've prayed for things that didn't come, and you're angry with God. All I can say to that is, I get it. I've been there. But even through my anger and resentment, God stayed with me. God continued to love me. And in time, I was able to see his hand at work in ways that I had been blind to at the time. God works in mysterious, sometimes painful ways. But his grace is always with us. And his love endures. Accept it. 
You may have other reasons for resisting his grace. I, I don't know what they are or what all that you've done because of it. But I do know this. I know that God has loved you through all of it, every moment. And I know that he loves you still. He wants you to be saved. God is offering you that gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Accept it. It may be that you have or had a wonderful, loving Christian mother that you're thinking about and honoring on this Mother's Day. And it may be that you haven't yet received that gift from above, that new birth. If that's the case, what better way could there be of honoring your mother's unconditional love than by accepting for yourself, receiving it and living into that unconditional love of God that welcomes you home in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? O oh, gracious and loving God, you have created us for yourself and you have loved us all along the way even when we were at our most unlovable and most rebellious, Lord, yet you have continued to pursue us. You have continued to love us. You have continued to call us back to yourself, Lord. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for that unconditional love. Thank you for offering a way of salvation that takes away all of our sins, that restores us to you, that gives us the hope of eternal life with you through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that we all might truly accept that gift that you have offered to us. That we would live in that love that you have given us. This day and in all the days to come, as you continue to strengthen us along the way. It is in that powerful and that gracious name of Jesus that we offer our worship and our prayers. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us on this Mother's Day. I pray that God has blessed you and that God will continue to bless you this day and in the days to come. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.